Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Contiki Podcast. A place to drop in and get double feature film recommendations from some of your favorite artists, musicians, filmmakers, actors, etc. Uh, on the program today, very excited about this one. Uh, Joe Talbot, lead singer of the band Idols, will be dropping by in just a few minutes to give a couple film recommendations and kind of talk about his relationship to film. It's been a lifelong passion of his, so it was a very cool conversation to have. I also tell Joe this during our uh, our talk, but you know, it's really exciting for me um, to come across uh, a band these days. It seems like it happened to me a lot more. Um, you know, in, in, in years prior, it just seems like it, it's a special thing when, when I hear a band, um, or someone turns me on to one, or I just discover one, uh, which was my case with idols where they, I just lock in immediately. And I, I just, I just love what I'm seeing. I love what I'm hearing. And then when I do a deeper dive, uh, I really enjoy, you know, um, the band is the band's aesthetic, uh, what they're about, um, you know, their, um, their whole vibe and everything. And, and, and that was the case with with Idols, uh, this band from the UK. You know, I, I immediately bought the record and, and and snagged a T-shirt, and you know, just started checking out videos. And it was really, it's really fun when that happens, man. It's like it's like you find a new a new friend that you're close with. So um, so check those guys out when you have some time. Uh, if you're uh, perusing the internet in quarantine looking for some new tunes, highly recommend it. Uh, their new record. Uh, Ultra Mono comes out September 25th, so keep an eye out for that one. And um, yeah, let's let's get into it, man. I, I really liked uh, Joe's uh, recommendations. He seems like he shares a lot of similar taste in terms of film um, with myself. So it was fun to kind of uh, to kind of talk movies for a little bit. I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, let's head on over to my conversation with Joe Talbot of Idols. How are you, Joe? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, how have you been? Uh, have you been during the last few months? What What, what have you been? What all have you been occupying yourself with during all this madness? Um, exercise. I go for two or three hour walk every morning. Boxing. Um, uh, what else? Just you know, focusing on music. Really, just get getting through it creatively and exercise. That's the best way I can channel that shit. Cool, man. Well, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I I kind of found you guys a little while back, and um, I, you know, it's kind of rare for me, I guess, any, anymore to, to really lock in with artists sort of immediately upon seeing them and and hearing them. And um, I just I just really uh, appreciate what you guys are doing, and I think that the band's incredible, and I, I just like um, kind of everything that you guys are putting out there in terms of. Um, you know, just in terms of your your energy and and the music and the message, I just think it's really refreshing. and I dig it a lot, so I'm I'm happy to have you on and appreciate your time. Um, you want to talk some films for a little bit? I'd love to talk film. Yeah. Are you a big film guy? Like, are, is that something that's resonated with you? You know, throughout throughout your whole life. Yeah, man. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I was a film. I I, I mean, I I watched maybe two films a day every day throughout my whole childhood um i was obsessed with films and then i studied film at university 
Um, and then during my university degree, I discovered music and drugs and forgot all about it. <laughs> That's what happened with me with sports when I was a child. I discovered music and drugs and then the sports all, all faded away very, very quickly. I, under, I understand that. Yeah, see, I never, I never started uh, sports. That was my. I, I watched basketball and boxing, but I never got into it. So, 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 as a child watching films, what was that? Something that was. Uh, wh- why were you watching two films a day? And like, from what age on was that something that would like? This was a, a a family kind of a tradition. Was it something that you sought out on your own? Like, wh- where did that all come from? Um, I it started when I was really young, maybe like eight maybe nine i was just on my own like i was an only child and i loved film i just loved it um so i just would kind of watch films on tv um whatever was on and then maybe i got i got a v a vcr not vcr vhs player when i was like maybe 10 which was like my aunt, my aunt Irene bought it for me, and I just then started asking for videos, as presents. But then I got my, I got, I, I got my first job when I was fourteen, working at a supermarket, um, part time, uh, or fifteen, sorry, uh, and then I just started buying videos. That was all I spent my money on. Um, and now I don't know how many fucking videos I had by the end, like maybe like 400 or something. But just all I did was watch films when I was on my own. I used to love it. Uh, and then obviously DVDs, and then I could illegally download films, and it's just something I would. And then since, like, I, I stopped watching films when I was at university, really, um, after my degree, like, from the age of, you see, maybe 25 to now. I stopped watching films religiously. Like I just, I think film studies and the theory of film, kind of when you see the internal engine and the way things work, you lose a bit of the magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of my love for film was an escape. It's not necessarily w- what I seeked was like fantasy or anything, but I really think to experience film. And it was like a window into another world every night. And I loved it. It was it was just something that I was obsessed with. And when I got to university, I discovered much more unhealthy ways of escape, which was through you know narcotics and alcohol abuse. And then recently, in my sobriety, um, I've been sober like ten months now. But during lockdown, I thought it'd be really fun for me to um, revisit some films, but I've been watching one film a day, every day. Um, so I, I like, yeah, so I, I don't know how many films I watch now, so many. Um, but yeah, just like as many new films as possible and then a couple of rewatches. So like I rewatched Diner because I hadn't mm-hmm. seen that since I was a young, like really young and I, I like... I, I remember it being a, the kind of film that I love, which is like my favorite kind of film is dialogue heavy. It's like two people experiencing each other's like language, like theater, really. Like Closer is a good example. Pulp Fiction is another good example where it's lots of dialogue, just two people in a room 
uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, Night on Earth. Um, fuck, there's so many that I love. Nebraska, um, sl- um, Swingers. We're on the we're in the same wheelhouse, then. You and I speak the same language. <laughs> also, also only child. Also grew up loving films, uh, obsessively watching VHS films, um, watching many a day, doing the exact same thing in college. Um, yeah, okay, I, I, I relate to all this. This is good. We I just had Jim Jarmusch on the show actually. Um, he was. Uh, I worked for him when I moved to New York. I got an internship there and a, a gig uh, with him and. Um, yeah, the rest is kind of history, but um, but that's th- that's great, man. I lo- I love these too. I was just talking to my wife as we were we've been rewatching a few films while we've been locked up too, and I, I have this I have this sort of obsession with films that take place in one interior uh, throughout the entire piece or or you know close to that. I I, I love watching things that could be a play or that are just so well crafted and written and have just incredible um, chemistry between the the characters. And someone that penned a screenplay that's really compelling. I, I just I, I I can't keep my eyes off that kind of stuff. I'm not so much into like, you know, effects or big budget things, but but very like very engaging dialogue really really turns me on. So that's that's cool. Yeah, there's um, like we'll, one we'll, film that I was gonna that, that I was gonna put in that I I changed because I I haven't seen it in my adult like later adult life. So I wanted to pick Smoke. With Harvey Keitel because it's like almost all in one room. Great film, and it's just about the different characters coming in and out. And you know, like that for me, like I love that stability of like one one place in a in a film. Um, and like you know, like that it's like the equivalent of like when they jump the shark. Like when the film finally leaves the the tobacconist, it's like it's not like oh god, you're like oh cool, this is a nice change of pace, but it's not too. I don't know, sporadic, I'd call it. I, li- I like that thing where one thing is just set in one place, or at least a few scenes. It's not like loaded. And, and I was excited about rewatching Diner for that reason. Like, but I just thought the characters were not likable and believable. I know they were believable. They just weren't. I didn't, inv- I didn't have anything invested. Like, Mickey Rourke's character is a piece of shit in that film. And I didn't realize how much of a piece of shit until I... Because I was a kid, like I didn't really get the, the the gravity of what he was doing. It's like really bad, and now I'm like, oh, yeah, such a shit thing to. So like things like that. I just I I've enjoyed rewatching films I haven't seen since I was a kid for that reason. Like The Outsiders, I just fucking love it still. I was worried that I'd hate it, but the bits that are kind of naive, like from that kind of era of cinema, still hold up. It's still like. It doesn't ruin the film for me. I still really enjoy Outsiders. I like it. It's such a nice surprise when things still stand up. I, I have that anxiety too sometimes because, you know, things either have a, a heavy time stamp on them sometimes and just seem dated or they don't work or, you know, um, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, things just fall apart sometimes and don't stand the test of time and, and just have a small, a short shelf life basically. But when they, when they when they really are, are kind of iconic, you know, pieces of art that that – hold up over decades it's, it's really fun to go back and revisit that and that's what this this show's kind of been about really is just you know calling up some people that that i know or have worked with or, or whose work i like and and asking them you know what are what are two two films that, to, that would go well together you know and, and some of them are a lot of them are like rewatches for these people and it's cool to go back and kind of explore that so 
Well, so let, let so tell me what what is your tell me what your pairing is, and then let's talk about those films a little bit. So my double feature is um, Nebraska and Before Sunset. So I went with Before Sunset because I rewatched that trilogy. I, I, I discovered Slacker. I didn't know that existed until lockdown. Um, I'm not one who does like a lot of research. What I found is if the more research I do on things um, in art and music and film and whatever, like, I don't know. It's like, I, I like, I like the, the, the instantaneous love I have for things and I don't want to dilute that with knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, like, I don't care where, where it was made. I don't care about like, the continuity errors and shit. I'm not interested. I just like love that thing as a piece of art. And like, I, 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 if I like a film, I don't go, Oh, who directed that? Like it took me ages to figure out, for instance, um, that night on earth existed until I spoke to my dad and I was like, Oh, coffee and cigarettes. Have you seen this film? He's like, yeah, it's amazing. You should check out this film. And I'm like, no fucking way. You know, like, <laughs> I like that, but I wouldn't have uh-huh. done it myself without word of mouth because, like, I don't know, I just don't, I don't explore things like that. I'm not, I'm not a collector, like, well, I am a collector of things, but I'm not, like, a, an intricate collector. I'm more, like, um, a bull in the china shop with, with art and music. Like, my favorite ever exhibition was Rauschenberg's retrospective at the Tate Modern, and I must have gone around the whole thing in, like, five minutes. Like, I'm not very considered. I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. Wow, yeah. I'm going to go for a coffee now. You know, like, I, I, I love things, but I don't need to dwell on it. Yeah, I get it. Um, so, yeah, so I went back and I watched the Before trilogy. But the reason I chose Before Sunset is because I rewatched it. And as an adult, I kind of, or as as slightly older than when it came out, um, I just realised how stunning that last scene is, and how magical oh, that man. period of love is when you kind of, you know, like. It, it, I haven't seen this in a bit, and I was thinking about it when I got your selection. It, it, is there a Nina Simone song playing as, as she's dancing with him, and and you sort of know that he's not getting on that plane? <laughs> is that is that is there's a Nina Simone song, right? That is correct. Oh, yeah, she, she kind of like. Walks him through it a bit as well, which is really cool. Did you ever see Nina Simone in concert? No, I never did. I can't believe she's gone. I know, it's so sad. Thanks. It's hot. I saw her twice in concert. She was so great. That's one of my favorite songs of hers. <laughs> she was so great. <laughs> she was so funny in concert. She, she would, uh, she would be right in the middle of a song and then, you know, stop and and uh, and walk from the piano all the way to the edge of the stage, like really slowly. And she start talking to someone in the audience. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I love you too. <laughs> and then she'd walk back, took her time, no hurry, you know. She had that big, 
cute ass. <laughs> she would move, woo. <laughs> and then she would uh, go back to the piano and play some more. Oh yeah. <laughs> Baby, you are gonna miss that plane. I know. I think what I love about it most is it's like it's more optimistic than the first. I mean, it, it's less romantic in terms of um, the first film is like quite naive and it's when, you know, everyone has that moment of like love and um, wonder and like just going in head first and like like being completely in love with someone and making rash decisions and being, you know, like everyone's had that first date where they're like, I'm going to marry this person. I will drop everything. I don't care. Um, but the second film is more like, you know what, like life and it's unfair kind of battery of like consequence and like, yeah, everyone has romance and love in their life but you've got bills to pay and you've made loads of wrong decisions which means you can't go down that avenue anymore they kind of have this revival and it's so much more uplifting to me and like you know it's never too late kind of vibe and it, yeah. just, it just makes me feel really good and hopeful that there is still people out there that kind of make sacrifice and go for it and and I don't know I just think that's a beautiful sentiment it's like you know it's never too late it really is and man and, and watching the two of them again uh, you speak you speaking about dialogue and and in chemistry and things uh watching the two of them I, I just I fall very quickly they're just so well cast and it's so well written I just feel I fall very quickly under the spell and that's not even sort of like the kind of maybe thematic um, uh, types of issues that that resonate with me the most. But but I will immediately like plug into my very soft sentimental side when watching <laughs> watching these films. Immediately, it's like I I can get I I feel those feelings of like you know of that powerful connection with somebody immediately and like what those early days are even like and. And how kind of magical that is, and it is—it is a wonder. They, they, and, they, and the fact that they do it over the course of several films, and those films all work, in my opinion, is is quite something too. Because I think that um, you know this trilogy in particular, you know, has a lot of potential to go south or to be sappy or corny, and it never really goes that way for me. And, and this middle one is probably my favorite as well, probably because you know I'm around the same age as they are. And uh, have lived a little bit more at this point, and you know, have, you know, and I'm just in that space in life. So that probably, you know, connects with me personally a little bit more. But I, I love it too, and I, I just think it's beautiful. And there's a lot of hope to it, and excitement, and beauty, and wonder, and it's it's nice, you know. But it's also, it also does have these complications in it because of where they are. They're, they're now like middle aged, and. It has, you know, they've lived life, and and um, you know, it's it's now a bit more complex, but the love still kind of shines through, which is nice. Yeah, I I think it's cool as well. Like, I think there's there's points um, at which, like for me, Ethan Hawke in in the first film, 
his character is that typical man in his early 20s where he's he's a bit over-opinionated and a bit arrogant and a bit unlikable. Um, mm-hmm. I know I was like that, you know, like I, I started reading philosophical books. So I like, you know, I'd have this kind of way about me where I like, I think I know everything. And I, I, I spat <laughs> out this crap after two pints of beer and everyone's like, yeah, 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 we've read that as well, mate. And like, <laughs> I think like that's kind of that, that's like he, he his character is kind of less obnoxious in the second one and, and I th- like less certain. And I think that's, that's a good thing. It makes him more likable. And obviously like, behind the scenes they they definitely wanted to remake you know they wanted to make another film and i think they're more competent as actors and everything's just the best there's something about where it's really fucking together as a film and obviously the third one is incredible um for its for similar reasons it's just brilliantly written beautifully acted and uh, but the second one for me was a real spark in my life so it's cool yeah i agree i agree well, let's move on to to um, to Nebraska. I I, I feel like um, I remember this being perhaps my favorite film of that entire year. Um, I really really love this film, and um, the Bruce Dern performance is just. I mean, oh man, he's just so incredibly good. I love the fact that they cast some of like the the town people, like just regular people, to be in this film. I think that gave it a. a a layer of authenticity that was really interesting. So, tell me, tell me a little bit about about Nebraska, and you know what, you know maybe maybe you'll even lay out some of the plot for those that that, that aren't that haven't seen it. But uh, and tell me why why this one resonated with you so so much. I mean, it it really comes down to like humanity, I guess. Like I, I think one of the reasons um, I love films that have dialogue in it is that it it's for me. I think. As a person, I'm, I'm like an introverted thinker, and I really love seeing the display of introverted thinking through one-on-one dialogue. Like I think that, for me, I find that really comforting and interesting. And like, I don't know, there's just something about it that makes me feel really comfortable, and I, I just, I, I love it. And with Nebraska, it's like this like really beautiful broken tale of ludicrous characters um, that are all centered around one guy's kind of love for his father. And it's like, he knows it's bullshit. He knows it's this crazy journey that doesn't, you know, that it's about like, every person in the world will have this moment where or not necessarily with their parents but with someone where they, they get to an age of maturity where they realize that their heroes are fallible you know like suddenly you you at some point start parenting your parents you know you, you see that they're not these indestructible um, concrete figures that can fix everything and then beyond that, you know, you you have to up and carry them at times. And I think this film's really just lovingly written and made brilliantly in in 
capturing the kind of tragedy of life in a very funny and caring way. There's no callousness to it. It's like everyone's everyone's a bit broken and like like it's almost like the whole premise of the film is based around this one guy's compassion and just empathizing with someone who just wants to go on this one last mission that's kind of pointless, but that's the point, you know? It's just like, let's just do it. Let's just, I don't know, it's just really loving, I think, and it just makes me feel really good watching it. And it is hilarious. And, like, I grew up in a kind of, it's a, it's a town that calls itself a city and there's lots of ridiculous people in it. Um, I don't know. There's just so much to it that's brilliant, um, but it's subtle and unsubtle at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah. The characters in the towns are like ridiculous, um, <laughs> but they exist in your life. You know, they do. They they exist. They're everywhere. Um, they make the world go around. You know, you only have to look at what's going on right now to see that there are people out there with really fucking misguided ideas of how the world works and they are often the most vocal the most active um, so I don't know yeah it's great it's just a beautiful film and I really love that idea of just doing something for the sake of someone else's um, well-being or welfare yeah and even if it's nonsensical like you said like that's that's sort of the yeah that is sort of the beauty of it and just just for anyone that hasn't seen it it's basically it's bruce dern is a is a very elderly man who gets like a you know one of those sweepstakes in the mail saying he's he's won a million dollars which is completely bogus and he starts uh i, I believe he wa- he starts walking to get the prize uh which is uh, very 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 far away <laughs> because he can no longer drive and his son Will Forte who's really brilliant in the film as well kind of assists him in this in this expedition as is is sort of like a last hurrah and a kind of a bonding you know type of uh journey for them um fully aware that it's just complete you know bullshit <laughs> so. so you told the sheriff that you were walking to Nebraska that's right to get my million dollars this is Woody Grant. We are now authorized to pay $1 million to Woodrow T. Grant of Billings, Montana. This is his son. You didn't win anything. It's a complete scam. So you got to stop this, okay? I'm running out of time. This is his wife. I never knew the son of a bitch even wanted to be a millionaire. He should have thought about that years ago and worked for it. How much longer is he going to be around? What's the harm in letting him have his little fantasy for just a couple more days? Come on, have a beer with your old man. Be somebody. It's beautifully shot. I mean, I just, I, I, I'll, every time I see clips, um, there are there are some black and white films, you know, that that pop up in my mind over the course of history that that are just really stunning and this is one of them i mean i just i did i just absolutely love the look the look of this film it's great yes beautiful film absolutely like i mean i i always find black and white film in general is like it's i think it can be quite easily uh, what's the word like misinterpreted as, as something it's not 
I think it's it, it, it's a pretentious choice, but it, it gives real purpose to the to the to the film. With Nebraska, it's just like it's. It, I guess the premise of the film is to make mundaneity of life stunning. You know, it's like there mm-hmm. is something really beautiful about the everyday, and using black and white is like framing that as as um, you know extraordinary. It's artistic, you know. The I'm trying to think of an artist that does it well, like Richard Billingham, you know, in a, in a very different kind of way, but captures the, the the ludicrousness and the beauty of everyday life, of pedestrian life, is something extraordinary. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, it's really beautifully shot. Well, sure. in the landscape, I, I think I think lends itself to it. That part of the United States, it's like so they, you know, a lot of it look, kind of looked like Ansel Adams photography. You know, it, it was these just these wide open you know spaces, and um, uh, for some reason, um, viewing them in black and white is quite stunning and beautiful to me. It, it kind of gives it a simplicity and a um, just a kind of otherworldness uh, quality to it uh, that, that's 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 just so striking and. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. There was also something about you know the the old, the sort of old school feel of a lot of these characters too. Also, kind of lent itself to that that look for me as well. But it, it is it is quite beautiful. Yeah, I guess it's like um, I guess it could be seen as like the new frontier of like pointless <laughs> pointless pointlessness. Like there's something kind of macabre about that. Like the new frontier is to try and get that money that doesn't exist, which is kind of, that is what everyone heading towards. He's like scrambling yeah. around for that million pounds that isn't fucking there. There is no dream. <laughs> the beauty is under your chin right now. You are, you are surrounded by the glory of what exists. You just choose to ignore it. And, well, yeah, let's, let's not get too, Fucking! I think people have got enough kind of uh, cynicism around them. I think there's another film that really reminds me of, of that sort of kind of the beauty of, of the belligerence of, of, of the father character, which is the, the straight story. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is a ironically a David Lynch film. Is it? Yeah. Didn't know. Wow. Yeah, the, the the guy goes on on a on a lawnmower. Lawnmower across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I didn't see that. I told you, man. I'm terrible at my research. And I I believe it had a G rating because I remember. Yes, it's rated G. And I remember when it came out, there was a there was a ton of um just like funny press. It was like David Lynch has made a G rated film about a man traveling on a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? It's stunning. That brilliant film as well. But I love that. You know, it's just that. I don't know the journey of the every every day. The, the the journey of the pedestrian and like you know, just how Homer's Odyssey can really be applied to seven days of, of someone just trying to get by in normal life. You know, there's a there's a beauty to that. I love it. Straight story in Nebraska would be a good uh, one too. 
double feature. It would, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe, or you could, like, something more brutal that would contrast towards Nebraska and be, um, what's that, Jerry? Jerry and Nebraska, very two different. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Or Paris, Texas. Paris, very, Texas would also be a good one. I think I like the Journey film, you know, like, I think the first film that really, really blew my mind as a young boy was um, Stand By Me. Oh yeah, that was that was a selection on uh, on the show. Um, do you know N- Natasha Khan by any chance? I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually met her like last year. Yeah, she picked that one. <laughs> she she did. Uh, I she was on the second episode. I, I produced a I produced a short film of hers uh, a few years ago, and that's how we met. But uh, she she chose Stand by Me and The Lost Boys for her uh, picks for the show. 80s heavy. I like it. But yeah, that's a good choice. I mean, the 80s for me, like those films that kind of like fantastical realism, I call it, where like, you know, there's like a realism. The film that really captured the magic of Spielberg for me in recent years was that, um, is it 8mm film? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, where it's kind of like, obviously it's an ode to Spielberg. But the idea where there's something realistic about the, the the fantasy of it it's still like there's something tangible there to the aesthetic that makes you kind of believe it well well thanks man i i really, I really appreciate the i appreciate the conversation man I, I i thank you for being on and um best of luck with all things idols what's uh w- what's happening in, in terms of the idols universe quickly before we go um just with the lockdown and everything what, what's your kind of uh strategy with the band for the next few months um, well, we, uh, we're, we're kind of, we, we've been releasing, uh, songs from, uh, Ultra Mono, our next album that's coming out on the 25th of September. Um, mm-hmm. so we've just been pushing that more and keeping in more of an open dialogue with our audience and using the internet. It's like a, a way of keeping connected. Um, and then uh, behind the scenes, we've been writing album four, um, learning how to remix and things like that. So we've been very active very active in between watching lots of films good 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 um well like i said man i I really enjoy what you guys do i i I missed you at terminal five uh when you were in new york last time and i'm I'm kicking myself for it especially now but uh i i very much look forward to to hearing what you guys are up to and and hopefully seeing you guys you know in the flesh when the world uh settles a bit um and things are things are more normal-ish hopefully uh in the not too distant future so I look forward to that. Well, thank you so yeah, you much. I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, when we're in, when we're in New York, give us a shot. You got it. You got. It. I would love that. I would love that. Love to see you guys. Bye, man. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Take care. So that's the show. I want to once again thank Joe Talbot of Idols for dropping by. Again, his picks were. Before Sunset and Nebraska, two really, really great films. And Before Sunset is uh, part of a trilogy, actually, directed by Richard Linklater with the same cast. Check those out. Um, Follow us on Instagram, at Contiki Podcast, and stay up to speed with new episodes and double feature film recommendations. 
Uh, and check us out on Facebook, backslash Contiki Podcast, for all the same information. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll be back at you next week. I think um, next week is episode 10 of season two already. We've banged out 20 of these things since the world kind of went wacky on us. It's hard to believe. So our season wrap-up finale will be next week. Come on back for another double feature film recommendation for one of your favorite artists. Until then, enjoy the rest of your summer. Mask up. Be kind to one another. We'll see you next time. We'll be right back.